Welcome to Files. My name is Tonya Clark from the Birmingham Tree People and today I've been talking with David, Liz, Rhiannon and Kath from the Highbury Orchard Project. It's recorded outside so you'll hear all the wind in the trees and lots of people enjoying the orchard space. The orchard project's here, Highbury Orchard Community, has been going for eight years but we started working on the land about ten years ago in October 2010 and we took over an area of about 50 by 100 meters, which is about half a hectare or about one acre. And this is on land that had formerly had an orchard, a small orchard that Joseph Chamberlain had set up in the 1860s. But then he'd replaced that with a paddock and some cattle barns and pig sheds and so forth. And so that orchard probably got grubbed up uh, while he was using it as his farm buildings. So for 30 or 40 years it was farmland, farm space, and he had another orchard planted elsewhere on the estate whose trees are still surviving. The site that we're on, it's on land that was formerly part of Joe Chamberlain's farm on the corner of the Highbury estate, the place where he built his fancy house. So they they grew most of their own food and supplied family here and family in London. When we started the project, the idea was to take cuttings from some of the old trees, graft them onto modern rootstock, and kind of keep those apple varieties alive, uh, apple and pear varieties. So there are about 50 apple and pear trees up near the house. Um, we think that there were also things like apricots and maybe peaches as well, but we haven't found any evidence of those. So we were going to set this up on the site of an original orchard with some of those heritage varieties and just have it as a kind of an interesting example of what people were growing 150 years ago, what the Chamberlains ate. Now we're in a in a woodland clearing uh, so we're surrounded by mature trees Uh, it doesn't get full sun all day it gets full sun midday through the afternoon Um, we're on a south-facing slope so we have pretty good drainage and pretty good light Uh, But this was never going to be a commercial orchard. This is not big enough and it wouldn't sustain that kind of level of crop production. It's more of a demonstration garden. It wasn't long after we got started that we decided we wanted to be a permaculture group and follow the ethics of permaculture practice, which is earth care, people care and fair share. And um, this is more or less governed what we do The fair share involves, for example, sharing with one another, the way we share out tasks, the way we share ideas in a sort of pretty community kind of a way. There's also the sharing of the produce and making sure that any profits come back into the company, but also sharing with the wildlife. And from the very beginning, I've always called the wildlife our neighbours. Just like any neighbours down any street, you have to look after them, make sure you don't upset them and hopefully they will do the same for you. Our birds sometimes do rob us of all the red currants but um, they think it belongs to them so that's how it goes. So we've got those principles and out of using those principles we came up with a mission statement which is to connect people and land by caring for both. Um, So we're caring for the orchard and we're caring for the people who come and volunteer and in a way we're caring for the community because even vicariously I think people enjoy this place and 
you know, on our Facebook page when we show pretty pictures of apples growing or blossoms blooming, and we get lots of likes on those particular pictures. So we know that people really enjoy connecting with nature in that way. So we say connecting people and land, but in my head, it's really connecting people and nature. And if, if by what we're doing here, we're not just connecting people with this particular land, but with, say, the land in their back garden or some other park that's nearer where they live, and generally people waking up to our place, their place in nature and how we're all part of it, rather than it being against us and us being against it. So we start to kind of rework our story, I think, as human beings, and particularly our story as urban creatures because it's in the urban setting that we lose that connection so easily and we have flat floors and we have straight up and down buildings rather than higgledy-piggledy ones which is what nature provides for us. So there's a lot of differences and yet we, we can find the connections. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the tasks of woodland management. So it's yeah, it's very very seasonal, and I think that's that's one of the things that's really lovely about it. I think um, Liz touched on about people connecting with nature, and I think we have lost a lot of connection with nature, and even with seasons. So I used to be a school teacher, and even getting the children to know what the seasons look like was was quite a hard job. So having a place like this is brilliant, where you can show people seasonal change, and trees obviously have their seasons as well so in the winter they're dormant um, so that's the sort of time that you would do pruning and we prune for really for us because uh, we want to have a bigger harvest um, it makes the trees live longer we we don't prune plum or any stone fruit in the winter because of specific diseases but uh, mainly it's winter's pruning because all the energy is down in the roots we can mow around the trees to clear any stuff around it um, we can mulch then some people won't mulch in winter because little creatures might hibernate in there and then nibble at the roots I do mulch in winter because my idea is I'm putting them to sleep and the more mulch you put on the more nutrients and you keep in the soil and the more moisture you keep in the soil Spring is, I think, a beautiful time in the orchard. Uh, there's actually, once you get to spring, there's not that much to do. You just love it. You just have the blossom, which is just gorgeous. You can pick the blossom off, uh, reducing the amount of fruit that you get because the the, li- <laughs> the more fruit you have, the, the smaller it will be. And also you can break branches with that. So you could reduce it by uh, pulling blossom off. But I normally pull the, the little fruits off. So you can have apple thinning, pear thinning. And it's funny because anyone that sort of comes along and sees you doing that thinks you're damaging the tree. It's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm just trying, I'm actually trying to help it. So, yeah, we've got uh, pruning, we've got thinning, we've got mulching, uh, watering. Obviously, we need to do a lot of watering. Uh, trees, when, when the orchard trees are first planted, they're quite thirsty. Uh, but you you don't want to plant them little and often. You want to, or you don't want to water them, sorry, little and often. You want to water them a lot in the first few years. And the idea is that if you put like 20 litres in once a week, the roots are encouraged to grow really far down. And then as they get older, you can start to water them a bit more. They'll find their own water by that point. Some of the tasks that are outside the garden management itself include things like planning, networking, liaising. Uh, figuring out what people are interested in, how to support them, how to encourage their participation, looking at a whole range of other issues to do with connecting the project itself to the wider community. And there's an awful lot of stuff that goes on around that. It's constant. It also can be uh, a lot of fun and tremendously satisfying when you see people show up and just enjoy the space on their own. Okay, so I wanted to talk about something that's a little bit linked to all these tasks. 
think about meeting a volunteer for the first time we're very curious as to why they want to come and join us and sense that we're not going to be nosy but anything they want to tell us would be very welcome to hear um, what they might want to get out of it if you like and in a sense what people want to get out of it is often their, uh, an improved well-being but also it's an opportunity to learn so you know perhaps people want to learn how to manage fruit trees here because they've got an apple tree at the bottom of their garden or they're thinking of getting one or they're wondering why it doesn't fruit for them properly every year and there's lots and lots of things that we can learn here we're all learning together we love experimenting so tasks do involve a bit of well I don't know how it's going to work I wonder what's going to happen but there's also plenty of opportunities for people to pass their knowledge on to others and for those others to pass knowledge that they have back in the other direction so it's a very nice place to be learning let's see if we can add to the story with Rhiannon so in amongst all the hard work of keeping an orchard in check we also like to celebrate the goods that nature provides us and a lot of those are steeped in many traditions so um, in January you will find your wassail and this is when we bless the apple trees and often people like to drink cider only this last year we had an amazing wassail that um, we teamed up with um, two local artists and they had um, run a project working with um, our project stick around and um, we'd also kind of weaved it into some of the work that we do with children and then we had many of the community come together uh, they literally had a procession with um, fire and clanging and then there was dramatic performances up here and they drank from cups which had been uh, made from harvested clay that we'd found here in the park there was some emceeing some live music and so it really was quite a festivity we obviously also like to think about the sunshine so we all celebrate the equinoxes and today is the summer solstice we'll also celebrate the winter solstice and then we also adore to celebrate the harvest because obviously this is what all the hard work has been going into and we like to kind of come together bring a lot of the stakeholders that we have here in Highbury Park as well as many sort of key community figures um, together to just celebrate the space celebrate the land celebrate nature and each other um, and obviously that includes pressing apples uh, and that taste that first taste of freshly pressed apple juice is truly magical I think that the future is very exciting here at Highbury Orchard Community in the last year or so there has been a real kind of mission for people to rewild themselves and they're appreciating the fact that nature has such a big impact on their well-being now obviously we've just gone through a massive shift in the world with COVID-19 and that's just proved to be a catalyst to how that um, people are thinking about nature I have never seen this park so busy I've never seen the orchard so busy so many different people uh, from lots of different uh, ages and backgrounds using the space and I think that's something that we can really utilize and celebrate um, I was thinking about uh, the future of community orchards in general and I thought to look at the future I wanted to look a little bit at the past and and why they're they're important why they're loved and I think um, orchards are one of those things that are in like the national psyche it seems to be something that people when they think about England and I'm going to just say England because that's where I'm from so but I'm, I'm presuming the rest of the UK it seems to be something that that people think about in the landscape and the apple is seen as very quintessentially English, which is bizarre because it's not. It's actually from Kazakhstan. 
which you can have as a very good pub quiz question. But uh, the only native apple is actually the crab apple, which uh, I think is having a resurgence. It makes beautiful jam and it's also very, very good uh, for pollinating the rest of the orchard. But yeah, apples have, have become very naturalised and people seem to really love them. So that's, it was actually picked as the symbol. There was a, a charity, there is a charity still called Common Ground and they're big... Their big idea was to try and uh, join people back with their landscapes and they picked the apple as their uh, s- symbol because it was it was the thing that people could most identify with. And I didn't know this until a couple of years ago. They're the people that got Apple Day together. I thought it was like thousands of years old, but it's only been around since 91. But I'm really glad I was here for part of it because I love cider. So yeah, it's very good. And I think like as Liz was saying, people are losing connection with nature. And orchards are great in an urban environment because they don't need loads and loads of land and also they do more than one thing. So you've got the beauty of nature and the wildness of nature, uh, but you've also got a yield. So you can get lots and lots of things just out of one tree or a few trees. You don't need absolutely masses and masses of land. It's, yeah, it's good for mental health, for fitness, being outside. And it brings people together. It's like a tangible task people can do. And like Rihanna said, it's, it can be very intergenerational. There's, it, it doesn't matter how old or how little you are, you can, you can do something. And I think a big thing that we found is um, in our society, there's a lot of loneliness, but actually bringing people together to do a task can really combat that. So I think people want these sort of spaces. And that's why I think the future for community orchards looks really, really good, uh, because people just naturally want it. Uh, looking at right now with the COVID crisis and we had a lot of panic buying but we had a lot of panic buying of seeds um, like most seed companies sold out so there was obviously a real push for people wanting to grow stuff and with Brexit and with looking at our food security and seeing how how fragile it is I think people want to grow stuff themselves there's a thirst for the knowledge Um, and also I think people want to slow down and that could be a problem in the sense that uh when you grow apples and pears and orchard fruit it takes quite a long time so you have sort of four to five years before you get any sort of harvest and normally that's quite little so in looking at it from a permaculture point of view where you find the solution in the problem actually that's what's really nice about that is it is going to be a a long-lasting project so it should be here for a long time and there's that lovely proverb that a society grows great when old men plant trees under the shade that they won't sit in and it's the idea that you're planting something it is for the future it's for your grandchildren or it's for people you don't even know i think one of the problems with orchards or any project like this it's easy to get people to start it off so it's easy to get trees it's easy to get people to plant trees there's a real buzz with that but they do need maintaining um, and funding unfortunately does look at starting up new things i think hopefully the funding will follow the fact that that isn't how projects actually work but at the moment that is how it how it happens but i think things like like orchards that have such a long life that's showing that you know they're established and they can carry on and and you can go beyond the first sort of fresh new exciting thing and there's more and more and more and stuff so when you have a new tree there's a certain type of animal that will go with that and if you get older other animals are a part of that and that's something you can learn together with and explore there's a few projects that are are doing work on urban orchards so i was involved with the orchard project and I oversaw about 10 orchards in Birmingham and that's a few, that's tiny, that's nothing like the amount we've actually got. We've got obviously this beautiful orchard here, there's my friends are doing something called Fruit and Nut Village, which is like a foraging part. I mean, you can, you, as soon as you learn about urban orchards, you're just stumbling over them. 
and uh, I think what's what's changing a bit with projects like that is they're not planting new trees they are trying to get uh, people involved in established ones so if anyone wants advice about getting involved in community orcharding I would say look for groups that are already established don't try and start up your own I'm sure you'll find one that is already there and and just being part of a community it's it's just brilliant like it's you might come for the trees but you might stay for the friends you make it's that sort of thing isn't it and it's not just us as Liz saying it's not just us as the people it's the whole community it's the animals it's the plants and all that together um community projects can be quite fragile they always have like a key person or key people that start them off and so when they leave it very often things can fall apart but actually at Highbury Orchard here we're seeing two very key people leaving Um, But we've already started on the work. Well, how is it going to carry on? And I think that's a really important thing with any sort of community group. You need to make sure that it's not just centred around one person, that there is a community that's built up and we can carry on. So I think we're, I'm hoping that uh, we've done that and it will. That, That is proper community, isn't it? You know, orchard, trees, done. You know, that's it. There's what I think makes it such a living project, which is what David alluded to, is is that there's all these other attachments, if you like, which are essential and integral. Um, and to me, any any company, any enterprise that is um, doing well doesn't have to grow in a sort of exponential kind of a way, but it has to be alive. And so it's going to grow in one element, perhaps, while it shrinks away in another. And if we look at nature and the way nature does things, and maybe a tree drops a branch, so it stops growing that branch, but it's got lots of fresh new shoots growing out somewhere else, that's the pattern we need to follow. And, and we've got so much to learn. It just, just gives me squidgy tummy just thinking about it, how amazing nature is uh, as being our teacher. If only we'll open our eyes and our ears and our minds to, to see that happen. Thank you so much to David, Liz, Rhiannon and Kath for talking about Highbury Orchard. It is an amazing place. There's loads of things for volunteers to do. And there's also things that tree wardens can help with, with your knowledge and expertise on trees. For more information, have a look at their website, www.peopleandland.org.uk. And they've also got a Facebook page.